0: Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here tonight. Uh, We're thankful for uh, your investment in developing as a leader and preparing for the groups year ahead. And so, as Drew mentioned, uh, you as the group leaders of our church, we would say that you are the most vital role uh, to the health of our church and the spiritual growth of the people in our church. And so, we're thankful for you. Uh, It's a privilege to serve alongside of you as a group leader and invest our lives uh, in our group members. Uh, often, in, in, par, in spite of our flaws, we're thankful how, for how God uses us. Now, I think anytime we jump into the beginning of a group year, there's a couple emotions that you might be feeling. Uh, one is excitement. You're just excited to reconnect with some group members, get back into the rhythm. Uh, sometimes being in that rhythm and being in a group can help us in our own spiritual growth. Uh, But we can also feel a little bit overwhelmed as we think about uh, all that is ahead, um, especially after this last year that was so hard and so uh, confusing, and we didn't always know what was happening. And so I think all of us, we had hoped that this fall was going to look a little bit uh, more normal. In June and July, it was looking like it it might end up that way, and uh, it isn't quite looking that way uh, right now. And so... As we think about this past year, I think this past year has taught us some new rhythms and new approaches and new patterns to developing community in our group. So even in spite of uh, this fall not looking as normal as we'd like, I'm excited about where where we're headed this year. Uh, So what are we going to be talking about tonight? A few years ago, our groups team uh, got together and we asked a question, what do successful group leaders do? If we had to boil down successful group leadership into just a few things, what would those things be? And we came up with the group leader essentials. So those group leader essentials are to pursue Christ, cultivate relationships, promote participation, model authenticity, provide care, and replace yourself. And so over the last several years when we have Uh, got together for these regroup events we've been focusing on one of those group leader essentials each time if these are the core things that we need to do to be successful leaders that's what we want to focus on but last year we hit pause and talking about the essentials because we were just trying to figure out how do we even do group uh, during COVID Uh, now that we're all COVID pros and since everyone completely agrees on how to do groups and to approach COVID we're going to, so not so much, but we're going to jump back into talking about the essentials. So the last time we met was a year and a half ago in January of 2020, a much different world back then, and we talked about essential number four, which was modeling authenticity. But tonight we're going to jump into the fifth essential, which is providing care. And, and as soon as I bring up that essential, you might already begin to feel a little bit of attention inside of you that how do you effectively provide care for the people in your group? We have a privilege, an opportunity to care for the people in our group, and yet sometimes as we invest in them, it can be overwhelming, it can be exhausting, it can be frustrating. And I think one of the biggest reasons that I have seen group leaders uh, jump out or drop out of leadership or burn out over the years is because of difficult care issues in their group. And even as I think about... Uh, my own groups. This fall will be my 13th year leading a community group at Northridge. And over those 13 years, I have seen group leaders get married, uh, marry an unbeliever, and end their marriage. I've seen group members have babies and lose babies. I've seen them find faith and get baptized, and other members walk away from their faith. Some people have lost a job, and other people have found a job. Some people have overcome addictions, and others have overdosed to addictions. Some people have met a spouse, and other people have never met a spouse. Or some people have made lifelong friendships, and other people have seen their friendships end. And and the list could continue to go on. But being a group leader, it gives you a front row seat to the greatest joys and the greatest sorrows of the people that God places in our path. And as encouraging and as life-giving as leading a group can be, uh, there are times where it feels like it's more than we can manage. And so what we want to do tonight is we want to address two tensions you might feel when we talk about providing care. Now, the first tension is the qualification tension. Maybe you'd say, you know, there are needs in my group that I, I want to meet, but I, I feel like I'm not qualified. I don't think I have the answers to help that person. And then we want to talk about the capacity tension. Uh, Even if you know how to meet some of those needs in your group, maybe you're thinking, you know, I just don't have the time and the emotional bandwidth to meet those needs. And so what we want to do with the rest of our time tonight is to talk about those two tensions, and then we're going to wrap up by sharing with you a framework that you can bring to any situation uh, that you come across in your group. Uh, So before we do that, we're going to jump into the first tension, the qualification tension.
1: Yeah, well, as our counseling pastor here at Northridge, uh, let me tell you, uh, I can relate to not feeling qualified. Um, But you need to know that you don't need a Bible degree or a psychology degree to help people. God does the changing and the healing, and he calls each of us to walk alongside each other while he does it. And, And here's how I know this. I don't have a Bible degree, and I don't have a psychology degree, but right now, God is using me to walk alongside others. And he's healing them, and they're growing closer to him. And so I want to take you back in time a little bit before I, to before I started at Northridge. 20 years ago, uh, I was a selfish, prideful young adult that had a substance abuse problem and suffered from depression. So talk about unqualified. Uh, that was me. But Christ rescued me from that, and I became a devoted follower of Christ. And, amen. amen. <laughs> Thank you. And, and 10 years later... I was like most of you. Uh, I was a devoted follower of Christ. I had a family, uh, a career, and I had a passion to be a part of what God was doing here at Northridge Church. But then God gave me an opportunity to join the full-time staff here, Um, and I became a full-time in full-time vocational ministry. I became our production director, and I was overseeing all the planning and tech that goes into our Sunday AM services. I was on that side of you instead of this side of you. And let me tell you, it's much more comfortable on that side. Um, I loved my job, and I got to see God do some incredible things. But for most of those 10 years, I felt a disconnect from people and from seeing people grow in Christ. I felt so busy doing things for ministry that I often struggled to find time to engage in pursuing my own growth in Christ and the growth of others around me. And then, about two years ago, uh, God put a passion for counseling in my heart, and I started pursuing trading with CCEF in whatever little time I could set aside. And I had a 10-year plan in mind. I would get the training and the experience I needed, and then I would hopefully transition into a role in counseling here or wherever it was that God wanted to use me. But having plans is funny. I, I, I don't know about you, but when it seems like whenever I get a plan in my head, God has a different one. And so my 10-year plan became a year-and-a-half plan, and <laughs> I was offered the position of the counseling pastor here at Northridge Church with way less training and experience than I wanted. You see, I wanted to feel comfortable knowing that I could handle anything that came my way. And I thought about saying no. Can you believe that? I mean, God had given me the desire of my heart long before I was willing to wait for it or thought it was reasonable to achieve it. And I thought about turning it down. But ultimately, God showed me that it's him who's ready for anything that comes my way. And it's my job to depend on him through all of my inadequacies. And so as I was praying about uh, this decision, God brought the story of the fish and the loaves to my attention in multiple really special ways. And I felt like God was clearly telling me to bring what little I had to the role and to trust him to multiply it. And so here I am. I'm in my ninth month as a counseling pastor. Thank you. (laughs) And already there's story after story of lives and relationships that God has changed because I was willing to bring my little and watch what he would do in multiplying it. So, Why do I tell you that story? Well, because I'm convinced that most of you are intimidated by the problems that you encounter in other people's lives as you lead groups. And often I'm intimidated by my own problems in life. Maybe (laughs) you're like me. But if you're here tonight, you're considering leadership, maybe for the first time, but you don't feel like you're ready or like you're qualified. Or maybe you've been leading for years. And if you're honest, the last few trimesters, you've thought about quitting because you don't feel like you're enough. I know that before I held the title of pastor, I was quick to think that only pastors could help people that were really hurting, but that's just simply not true. God is calling each and every one of us to be, a, to be a part of him building and growing his church body to look more like him each and every day. So don't be intimidated by the problems you encounter. God will bring the change that is needed, but he wants to use you to help point the way. To be his hands and feet, to be a physical representation of the truth that he is with each one of us in our times of trouble. Let's not pass up the opportunity to be used by him to make a gospel impact on the people around us.
0: Yeah, I still remember when I first joined the staff. It was back in 2019, 12 years ago, and Adam was a volunteer at our church. He was part of our building committee, so he was part of the team that was planning the building of this auditorium. And I remember walking across the the parking lot with him one day, and I asked him this question. I said, Adam, would you ever consider being a pastor? And and he looked at me and very boldly said, no way. (laughs) And so I'm thankful that Adam did not say no, and it's encouraging to see how God is using Adam now. But really, depending on our circumstances, uh, no matter whether you've been a pastor for 30 years or you are brand new to leading group, I think there's moments where every single one of us feels unqualified. Uh, and yet God uses us in spite of our limitations to help people to, to find him and to follow him. Now you might say, okay, it's one thing to know uh, that God can use me to meet the needs in my group. But it's a whole different thing to have the capacity to actually meet those needs. You might think, you know, I've got my own problems and worries, things I'm trying to work through. I'm trying to stay employed or plan a wedding take care of the kids or ailing parents. Uh, maybe you just had a baby and you're trying to recover from that or you've got schoolwork to get done and you think, when do I actually have time to care for the people in my group? And here I want to clarify what we're talking about when we talk about the fifth essential of providing care. What, what are we even talking about there? Well, your goal in providing care is to make sure that care is provided, not to provide all the care. Your goal as a group leader is to make sure that your group is cared for, not for you to do all of the care. Because as a group leader, you can't care for all the needs in your group, and you shouldn't try to. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 that God has given the leaders of the church to equip the church for the work of the ministry. So God's goal for our church and every church is not that the staff or the pastors would do the ministry of the church, but that they would equip the church to do the work of the ministry. And it doesn't matter what size a church is, no pastor or no staff member can effectively know and care for everyone in the church. And it's the exact same thing in our community groups. Ephesians 4.12 applies to us as group leaders. Our role as a group leader is to raise up our group and other leaders in our group to care for the needs in our group. It's also important to understand that community groups are not the only environment at Northridge where people receive care. Mm-hmm. I think groups are the primary place where relationships are established, where physical needs are met, where people are prayed for, and it's one of the places in our church where people receive counsel for how to think biblically, but, it, but it's not the only one.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for you to know you're not alone. Uh, Our counseling and care at Northridge really comes in three waves. And the first wave is our Sunday morning services. Our services are filled with gospel-centered songs and messages, opportunities to give, to serve, and to interact with the body of Christ. We want to be bombarding you with biblical counseling through every moment of our services and actively participating in rather than merely attending our Sunday morning worship services is crucial to growth in Christ. And the second wave is what you're very familiar with. It's community group. Care and counseling happens when leaders like you interact with group members by shepherding and discipling them. Care is also happening in groups as you work to meet practical needs that your group members face. And you as leaders are facilitating that process of making sure that happens, and you're sharing the load with all the members of your group. And we really want everyone at Northridge to be experiencing these first two waves of counseling. But the third wave is our counseling team. And this wave is best described as biblical discipleship by appointment— And sometimes more than those first two waves of counseling are needed. And you're probably wondering, well, how do you know when that's needed? And that can be complicated because it's different in every single case. It can depend on how much capacity you and your group members have, how much capacity our counseling team has at the moment, uh, the severity of the circumstances of the situation, the willingness of those that are involved to get involved in counseling. There's lots of things that can depend on. But anytime you're unsure, start with your coach. Reach out and see if there's more that your group can do before this, the counseling team gets involved. Um, or if you're pretty sure that they need counseling, just have that person that's interested in receiving counseling go right to iwant.info. This is what we tell you to go for everything. Uh, they can go to iwant.info and express interest in counseling, and our team will follow up with them. Um, one of our main goals in this third wave is to get people on or back on a growth track in Christ inside of those first two waves. And so sometimes we'll even ask you as community group leaders to come and join sessions, maybe all of them, maybe some of them, maybe just the last couple of sessions as we get ready to release that person back into just those first two waves of care and counseling. That can be really helpful to the transition process. And if you're interested in joining that counseling team, let me know. You can reach out to me. Send me an email, acongdon at northridgerochester.com. Longest email address ever. Um, <laughs> we offer training opportunities and shadowing to make sure that you're feeling equipped to handle those situations with people who are needing that third wave of counseling. A
0: couple of final thoughts as we consider the capacity tension. Uh, I, I think more often than not, it's not the physical needs of our, uh, of our group that we have a hard time feeling like we can handle. Um, we're great at mowing lawns and delivering meals, and if there's a financial need, we can chip in to meet that need. And Last year, we talked about uh, we developed a community group care fund in our church, so maybe there's a need that your group can uh, partially meet, but you need some additional funds to help meet that need, and so you can reach out to us to meet that need. Uh, but it's usually not the physical needs that stretch us beyond our capacity. Where we tend to feel the biggest challenge is in providing counsel to group members that are going through situations that go far beyond what we have any idea on how to help them. And so uh, tonight what we're gonna do in our breakout is tackle some of those issues, some specifics on how to provide care in those areas. But before we do that, Adam is going to share with us a framework that we can bring to any situation that our group members are going through. So, Adam, when we encounter a situation in our group where we are clueless, where we don't know what to say or how to help, where do we start?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, what is our goal? How do we actually help them? We ultimately help them not by bringing change to their situation, but guiding them to become more like Christ and more dependent on him. And so if that's our goal, then how does that happen? And I think the best thing that we can all do as leaders is to fully understand how change happens to become more like Christ ourselves daily and then gently help point others in that direction when they are in need of change. And the theological word for this is sanctification, but really it's just how we grow more like Christ. And all throughout our Marked By series that we just finished, uh, you heard each of our communicators say that we can't manufacture the fruit that we were studying, but that it's God who produces it in our lives. And that is so true, and I'm so thankful that they all made that clear. You may have wondered... Okay, so how does he do that? And what is my role in that process? And I hope this illustration of three trees that we see in Jeremiah 17 helps make the change process clear. Uh, These illustrations, by the way, are done by my oldest son, Isaac. He's a budding graphic designer, and so uh, enjoy those, all right? Uh, Well, we all have things in our lives that create heat or pressure. And so these things can be good things or uh, like getting a promotion at work or tough things like getting laid off. But no matter what the heat in our lives looked like, we are all tempted to respond in sinful ways. And these sinful reactions, they're like thorns. They're harmful to us and to those around us. That promotion might cause us to gloat and to brag to our friends, or being laid off can cause us to be overcome by worry or lash out in anger. This first tree that represents uh, uh, our sinful reactions, it's rooted in our sinful hearts. Anytime we respond from our sinful and broken hearts, we are putting something in the place that only God deserves. And so we learn in the book of James that our natural desires are rooted in our own self-interest and they cause conflict in our lives. Sometimes our desires can actually be good, uh, but we allow them to become so important to us that if we're not careful, a good thing can replace God on the throne of our hearts. And anytime we're willing to sin to get something, or we're willing to sin when we don't get something, that thing has become an idol to us. And that sin always produces bad consequences. They might show up in our lives or the lives of others, but those consequences become new heat in our lives, and we can find ourselves in a hopeless cycle. It's a pretty bleak picture, right? I don't know about you, if this tree sounds familiar to you, but I've experienced this over and over in my life. And the overwhelming majority of the time, this is what's happening in the lives of those in your group that need care. They're stuck here. But there's more to the story. We do have hope. And like Drew, my two favorite words in the Bible are, but God. He is the tree of life. He's always changing things, and we are changed when he is at the center of how we handle the heat in our lives. Who God is, what Christ did for us on the cross, and what he says about us in the promises of scripture, it changes our perspective of our heat. And when we rely on those truths, and we go to God with our struggles, he gives us a pure heart by the living water of the Holy Spirit. And as we come to him in prayer and we engage with the truth of the Bible, he turns our sinful hearts into pure hearts. And only then are we able to produce good fruit. Now we, now we can respond in righteous ways that please God. We bear the fruit of the Spirit that we just finished studying together on our tree of righteousness. The promotion we were given causes us to thank God and we become more generous while being laid off leads us to pray for a new opportunity and to trust him for what's next and when that comes. Then we experience the positive consequences that result from living the way God has taught us to live. We see growth as we look more like Christ. And this isn't a one-time process. This happens over and over again every day And for those in need of care, often we need to come alongside them and help them to realize that this is the process that God uses to produce change. God may or may not change their circumstances, but he will change them. So when you come across a situation in your group and you're not sure how to handle or what to say, I hope this framework gives you a starting place. And I know it's super general, but the heat we face in life comes in an endless variety We can't possibly cover every area, but we do hope that our breakouts tonight will help dive into some of those specific areas that we as group leaders often find ourselves needing to respond to.
0: Yeah, so tonight we've been talking about the fifth group leader essential, which is providing care and wrestling with this tension of how we can actually meet those needs. And it's easy to come here tonight and give you a a few answers up front or in our breakouts on how to meet those needs, but the reality is... Uh, There is nothing that we're going to say tonight that is going to bring an answer to every situation that your group uh, is going to face. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, one of our groups had a couple join the group, and the guy was struggling with drug addictions. And when he jumped into the group, they knew right away that uh, this was going to be a difficult road uh, to walk with them. But they dove right in. They invested in this couple. They saw... Um, them taking steps toward Christ, engaging the Bible, and and they were really honest. This guy was really honest about how he had been struggling with addictions. The the women in the group uh, got together uh, with the other woman, and they took her out shopping to buy some things for their family that they couldn't afford on their own. The guys, they planned some socials. They had a movie night together. They were planning uh, to do a dinner night together. And you know, as they had been investing in This couple and in this guy, you know, it was not always good. Things were not always up and to the right. There were ups and downs, but they were encouraged by the the progress that they saw uh, in this guy and in this couple. Uh, And then the night before the guys were going to get together for dinner, they got a phone call that you never want to receive. What do you do as a leader when you get a call from a wife who lets you know that her husband just took his life? doesn't matter how long you've been leading a group, how long you've been a pastor, how much uh, education or experience you have in counseling. There are no simple answers for how to address a situation like that. And yet, in an incredibly painful and dark situation, this group came around and surrounded that family in a way that truly exemplified what the body of Christ is all about. There are no simple answers to every situation, but God used that group to bring hope and to bring healing in a really dark season. So what I want to walk away with tonight is two, two thoughts for all of us. One is to remind yourself, it's not about me. The best leaders are humble and anxious to learn. We recognize we don't have it all together, and we're dependent on God to produce change in our lives and in the lives that we are investing in. Number two, recognize I am not alone. You are not alone. You're surrounded by other group members and coaches and pastors and staff and counselors and the whole body of Christ. And God is using all of us together to build his church and to make more and better followers of Jesus. Amen.